High end over end variety. And Amati from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Straight Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and okay, Steve Mims. Friday, Pod, Ryan Thorburn, Steve Mims, getting ready for number 16, Oregon at Stanford. Steve, the Ducks were the preseason North Division favorites, slight favorite over Washington in the preseason media poll back in July. So here we go, conference season is upon us. Uh, what what do you think about that at this point? Obviously, Oregon wanted to make a statement opening day. They were unable to close the game against Auburn, but still have that Rose Bowl out there. Somebody has to go to the Rose Bowl. Someone has to win the Pac-12. What do you think of Oregon uh, as they head into conference play? I think if you took that poll again, the only change you'd have would be probably Washington State and Washington's place. You know, I think um, you know Washington dropping the game to Cal, losing a home game that early like that probably takes them a little bit out of the race. Um, you know, in Cal, we can see kind of what they become. But I think Washington State's been impressive in what they've done. I think you can look and think they're for real, and that's a team that could go six and two in the in the Pac-12, which might be what it takes to win the division. It's a team that's beaten Oregon the last couple of years, so they're not going to have too much fear coming into into Autzen either. Oregon offensively, they have Justin Herbert. He's had back-to-back five touchdown passing games. No one in Oregon history has done that. Now, I'm sure if Mariota played back-to-back. <laughs> FBS, FCS, they could have done that if they wanted to, but nevertheless, it's uh, the offense is clicking as far as Justin passing the ball, hitting those short routes on the run-pass option. Still some question marks with the running game, but overall, you have to feel good about this offense going against a really uncharacteristic Stanford team that is giving up tons of yards, tons of points, and Oregon is a 10.5-point favorite, I believe, so... Uh, not not kind of the pregame we're used to with this. It's usually, you know, a really close matchup. It's not expected to be. Will it be? Yeah, you know, I you talk about the RPOs there. I was just going to add in. I talked to Justin this week and asked him, you know, what's been kind of these last two weeks? It's clicked high high completion percentage. Like you say, more than six hundred yards passing, ten touchdowns, and he mentioned the RPOs and that kind of having some guys on the outside who are coming through for him has allowed when teams are kind of stacking it there in the RPO, he can kind of pull back and then throw out there, and they've got a lot of one on one coverage. So I think that has been a part of that. Um, as for Stanford, you know, I've been kind of perplexed this week. It just feels like at least, you know, not from the player's standpoint, but just kind of out in the community and talking to Duck fans, it's almost maybe because the 10-point spread, there's just not quite the buzz that there has been for, you know, mostly Oregon-Stanford. We kind of sit there and think this may be the game that decides the the North Division. But, and you know, last year, part of it might be that last year, you know, Stanford was the game, the Pac-12 opener, and Oregon had the three cupcakes to open the season so all year long you felt like well Stanford's gonna be the game that tells you who it is but this year that game came early and then there's been a Lola two games so it just feels like almost kind of the build-up from Auburn is kind of tempered out a little bit and uh, like I say the fact that Stanford's now one and two is kind of taking some of the luster off this game but I was I was looking back and you know, two years ago, Stanford, that was an Oregon team that was struggling without Herbert. But when they beat him 49-7, to that Stanford team started the season. Same thing, 1-2. and two. 
lost to USC and San Diego State, so kind of similar deals. You know, Stanford's one and two, but they played three Power Five schools, played what two ranked teams? I think USC was ranked at one point this season, Central Florida. So I almost wonder a little bit if that record might be deceiving some people, thinking, oh, here comes the Stanford team at one and two that um, may not be what they have been in the past. If it hadn't been for injuries, I'd feel stronger that way, but they are pretty decimated right now. Yeah, I think Central Florida classifies themselves as a power six team. Uh, and we talked about it last week. They wanted to make a statement. You know, yeah. they've wanted teams to come to Orlando. Stanford was the guinea pig, and, and they did not survive that experiment. So uh, Central Florida will be a team that Rob Mullins and the selection committee will have to deal with, it looks like, once again. Uh this year if they if they run the table they're at Pitt this week so that's interesting but I'm not sure Stanford's going to count as a really great win for Central Florida unfortunately for them defensively Oregon uh, has looked really good under Andy Avalos so far Um, a lot of tackles for loss sacks turnovers etc but once again uh, KJ Costello is you know a solid veteran quarterback but I would expect Oregon to hold these guys under 25. So what do you think about the defense? Yeah, well, we've been so used to seeing Stanford have a Heisman candidate in the backfield at running back, you know, whether it was Love or McCaffrey or even going back to Gerhardt and some of those type of days. So, I mean, it's just a different deal. They've got Cam Scarlett back there who's been their their main guy. who's was a Portland kid, but just, you know, was kind of – you know, wasn't a big time recruit and is a fifth year senior. So it's just kind of a guy who's kind of waited his turn and, and it hasn't kind of turned into the running game they've had. You mentioned Costello. He was really good against Oregon last year. You know, he, he looked okay at the start of the year. He got hurt, missed kind of a game and a half there, came back last week. They got it going a little bit late. So maybe they found a little something late there. But, you know, one of his better games against Oregon, they've still got big, tall receivers that they've had in the past that have given Oregon problems. But I do think Oregon's defense has probably been, you know, I'd say it's been better than maybe you would have expected with a, a new coordinator in three games, but it's just so hard to know because of the quality of the opponent the last two weeks. I mean, they held them without touchdowns, but you know, what are we supposed to take from that? I think even a Stanford offense that maybe isn't what it's been in the past will be a little better measuring stick for us to see where the defense is at. You know, one would then be one third the way through the season. So, what do you make of Oregon's entry situation? It's it's kind of bizarre because Mario, unlike. Mark Helfrich and Chip Kelly will talk about injuries. He actually, unprompted, usually starts out his post-practice or Monday press availability with an injury update, you know, off the top without taking the questions mm-hmm. first. Um, so, you know, he has said that Cam McCormick is out for the year, which is a little surprising given that, you know, everyone thought it was an ankle injury. That doesn't seem like a season ender, but he's out for the year. And Jawan Johnson, another guy that we've been waiting on, like, when is this guy going to play? Probably in Pac-12 play. He's still in that day-to-day category. Are they just smoke screening that? Is he seriously injured, or or is he actually going to show up and and be a factor? Uh, Something they haven't had from a graduate transfer since Vernon Adams, really. Yeah, I think with McCormick, the odd thing to me is just that you rule him out for the year when he was out there warming up on Saturday. So it's not like he was, you know, in a boot on Saturday. And with the new redshirt rule, I mean, you could look at a way to kind of say, hey, maybe we can get him back in, you know, what, late November and we can get a Civil War and a bowl game or a Pac-12 championship game if they get there in a bowl game out of him and you still redshirt him. So that was a little bit surprising to me just that he was out there on the field Saturday and then suddenly his season was over even with the new redshirt rule. Johnson, I think I think we see him this week. I have to – I mean, Mario is even joking. Hey, look, I've been kind of teasing it. It feels like they – 
you know, I, I think they've been wanting to get him out there. They've probably been a little bit more cautious in terms of the last two weeks, the opponent, but I wouldn't expect them to do that this week. So I, I think we see him out there. They probably kind of let him go out there, see if he can go. If he can't, you know, you, you bring him back in. But I, I think this is the game where you feel like you're, you, you know, you're going to need him at some point, And this is probably the one where you're going to need him first, whereas you didn't need him the last two. Yeah, I think McCormick did redshirt his true freshman year, but, you know, I think he's a candidate maybe to apply for a sixth year, yeah. given that he's missed back-to-back season, essentially uh, breaking his leg in the opener last year. But, uh, you know, it sounds like they just want to get him healthy and hope he has a good senior year next year. Um, Jake Hansen appears to be out. You know, it, all signs are that it's concussion protocol. They, you know, are evaluating this thing, but he hasn't been practicing. I would not expect him to be on this trip they have a bye week next week he could you know conceivably be completely healthy for cal but i don't think that's an issue i think calvin throckmorton at center with lemieux at left guard peninsula left tackle i mean that's a pretty solid uh situation to run to the left there and uh you know throckmorton according to cristobal grades out just as well at whatever position he's playing uh do you see any issues with the offensive line, which needs to get that push early on and establish the run? Well, you know, Alex Mirabal has been saying all year long, every interview that he's working to get eight starters, and he thought he was pretty close to eight, maybe even nine starting caliber guys. So, uh, you know, I would, I would certainly, for their sake, hope that you don't see a big drop-off because they've talked about how they've got guys capable. And, and if they just takes one guy to go out to kind of shake things up in a bad way, I think that'd be surprising. Like you say, Aiello's obviously been there for a long time, and guy who was competing to start with Warmack and um, you know we, so we heard a lot about Stephen Jones and things like that obviously some of the versatility of, of Throckmorton you know they could even if they needed to I think they'd feel okay bringing in a you know a, a Alex Forsyth for a little bit and moving Throckmorton back out so I think you could see them rotate things a little bit but yeah I mean you know Jake Hansen's basically missed one half of a game due to a targeting call and then last week the half of a game which was you know didn't really matter it was an injury and uh, that's been kind of the only times they haven't had him with Justin Herbert out there so it um, you know I don't think it's a big change because Throckmorton's been around a while too but you know yeah I mean you, I think the center quarterback exchange any anything that becomes different becomes a concern at least do you think before the season at the uh, at the July Pac-12 media day event I mean David Shaw was talking like you know Justin Herbert obviously an NFL guy but so is KJ Costello he's a a redshirt junior, I believe, but Shaw basically said he doesn't want him coming back because he should go to the NFL. He's that good. I don't see that, but then again, you never know. I mean, I thought Marcus Mariota would be good in the NFL. He's it looks like Tennessee's about to pull the plug on him. Uh, You know, Josh Allen and uh, some other guys uh, are thriving when you thought, you know, they were just projects. So it's kind of a crapshoot. But do you think KJ Costello, this is his last year and that, you know, He's going to live up to what his coach thinks about him. Maybe he's trying to motivate him. You know, maybe he's trying to convince him, look, you can be good enough, so go kind of be this guy. But, um, yeah, and, you know, we've seen, um, you know, at Stanford that, you know, Costello came in a couple of years ago. You mentioned redshirted. I think he was pretty sure the same class as Herbert. Um, but he redshirted that first year and was actually kind of right up there in the recruiting rankings with him. So I think hype-wise he's been there, but you're right. And we haven't seen it a whole lot in, in on the field. But, you know, again, injured early this year, and, and you know, we'll see at that. I think last year he got wasn't he the second team all conference quarterback when he Herbert was. didn't. Yeah. I mean, so there were there were a vote of coaches that thought that Costello had a better year than Herbert yeah. last year. Okay, so Steve, uh, you know, maybe maybe some people are seeing something in him that we haven't seen. Yeah, and he's preseason second team behind Herbert. But yeah, Herbert was not uh, an all conference player. I think that's going to change dramatically uh, this fall. So far, so good for Justin and. 
as these NFL weeks roll by and old quarterbacks are getting hurt, young quarterbacks are getting hurt, I think Justin Herbert's NFL stock is is getting a lot better. I, I don't know if he is interested in living in South Beach. Doesn't seem yeah. like a good fit, but no. they're going to get one of these guys, so uh, that'll be interesting to follow. All right, well, let's take our first break, and then we will uh, get into the mailbag. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. Okay, Steve, I'm uh, kind of uh, just going through these emails here last minute. Uh, We got so many of them that uh, it's hard to keep track of. Here's kind of an interesting one, topical for the Pac-12 and maybe what we're going to see going forward. Uh, It's from Justin in Berkeley. Do you think good defenses travel well to the south from the west coast? And what do you think about 9 a.m. kickoffs? Are they a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I can tell you that if – the Cal's defense certainly traveled well to Washington, you know, keeping them to 19. Um, and I can remember I've had conversations with Justin Wilcox, if that's who this person is here, who's talked about how, you know, and I've mentioned about the schedule before. Hey, do you like the way? And he's always said, look, we don't care, you know, who we're playing which week or how this turns out. So I don't think he's a guy who's going to go. I saw Mike Leach today had some comments about he thought that 9 a.m. starts were terrible and, you know, you couldn't get your team ready. I don't think you'll hear anything out of, out of Wilcox this week. I think Wilcox will – you know, just as guys timetables to go to Mississippi. And that's, you know, that's a big one for the conference. And just in terms of for Cal, I mean, if Cal, they're into the top 25, you lose that. They're probably not a way for them to get back into the rankings, but if they, if they win that one and suddenly they're four and oh, and come into Oregon, you know, in two weeks after that, then, you know, suddenly they, they become a player in the conference picture, at least. That's, that's a big game for the PAC 12. I mean, it's, it's a sec team that's, you know, not picked to do much against a, Pac-12 team, Cal, that, you know, is not picked to win the North or anything like that. But if Cal wins that game, you know, their body clocks, it's going to be 9 a.m. Pacific time. It's obviously a noon uh, kickoff out east. But uh, that's a big win for them. And uh, Mike McIntyre, the uh, former Colorado coach, is now Mississippi's defensive coordinator. And that's actually the area of their team that's doing well. So that could be, you know, a 13-10 game. Uh, I think the Bears are going to find a way to get that done if they don't turn the ball over. And uh, we'll see how it goes because, you know, obviously there's been talk should the Pac-12 be in that noon Eastern window and have 9 a.m. kickoffs, even Mm -hmm. if it's at Autzen Stadium. I don't like it, but at the same time, I would take a 9 a.m. kickoff over a 7.55 (laughs) p.m. kickoff. Yeah, me too. And not just from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint. I think it'd be better. I think more, you know, of the – the older generation would rather get up and have a Bloody Mary than drive yeah. home at 1 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take the four o'clock start, but in between the two of me, yeah, the nine o'clock, and it would, you know, keep things a little safer out there. You're not going to have people who've been out there tailgating for six hours and, um, you know, everybody kind of be done with the game, be on with their day, and be home for dinner and kind of move along from there. So, um, something tells me there'll be a few Pac 12 fans who'll be up at 9 a.m. this week to, to turn that game on and see if, if Cal really is for real. Our next question comes from Clay in L.A., and he wants to know, is Utah for real? Uh, My bosses are on me about this. So, yeah, the Utah Utes, they're up to number 10 in the polls. They have a really good defense. Are they for real? Because they're going to be 
Wright and Clay from LA's backyard this weekend. I think it's a Friday night game at USC. Big game for Utah. Obviously, mm-hmm. a big game for Clay in LA to to get off that hot seat if he can, which I don't think he can. Yeah, I I like Utah. I do like their D. I don't think they've given up a sack this year or turnover. Um, I like what Utah's got. It's kind of a typical Utah. There's not a whole ton of skill position guys that were highly recruited, but uh, you know Zach Moss and Huntley in that group there. But this does feel like almost a um, you know a, a USC rises up and kind of gets one here on a Friday night at home. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, USC was rolling and, and Utah got them. And this feels almost like, you know, USC coming off of, you know, last week, the loss to the other team in Utah to BYU and coming home. And maybe this is one where they put it together. And, you know, again, that could also be a suddenly a 20 to 17 game. I don't see Utah putting up a whole lot of points in this one. And, and maybe the Trojans get something late and get kind of a 27, 20 win to get out of there. Our next question comes from pete in seattle i think this is a, a common guy but he's using a different name here pete in seattle wants to know how concerned should washington be with the provo magic this weekend yeah you know byu's feeling pretty good about themselves and uh you know i, I think with the huskies going that's a tough road game to go on and obviously byu's now they've got the independent schedule they've found a few pac-12 teams that'll play them but um, and it's a weird deal, you know, for the Huskies that and them and Cal both because they played that early when they both have a non-conference this week. So, um, you know, BYU's been been rolling it pretty good this year, and I do think that's a that's a tough place to go. But I'd be really surprised if if Washington dropped one there. But I was surprised they dropped one at Cal. So, you know, if or at home against Cal. So, if they come out and a little bit sluggish, I do think that could be a game again that's that's pretty close into the fourth quarter. Yeah, if this is actually Coach Pete, uh, this takes him back to the old Mountain West days when. BYU used to be in the Mountain West, and and Chris Peterson used to be at Boise State. Uh, Yeah, there's something about the Cougars. I really like their quarterback. He's a sophomore. He looks like he should be at Utah. That's where he wanted to go. They screwed that up royally for the future. Uh, But he pulled out an overtime win at Tennessee with a late, long pass, and then obviously had some magical runs against USC to, to beat the Trojans last week. So, yeah, I'd be wary of BYU. Uh, this weekend if I were the Huskies but I do think they will find a way unlike USC to pull that out maybe in overtime Uh, that seems to be BYU's trend Uh, Mike and Pullman wants to know uh, is UCLA really this bad I think so at this point I don't think at this point you can you know say that there's any you know it's yeah I mean they, they are they are who we who we thought they were you know I mean it was last year 0 and 3 start and this year 0 and 3 start and um there's just nothing you see there that feels like, well, Chip's kind of getting it going and it's coming around. And, um, you know, he may be – I don't know exactly what they got in the younger groups. I know they've got a, a large number of freshmen and sophomores, and so maybe he likes what's coming along. But this doesn't feel like a team that's going to, you know, somehow find a way to get to bowl eligibility this year. I think you're looking at a team that will be lucky to get to 5-7 and seven like last year and probably more of a 3-9 and nine type team. And I think Mike and Pullman's going to put about 60 on them here this weekend. Yeah, I saw a stat. Uh, I didn't look it up on my own to confirm it, but I heard a stat that UCLA is last in the nation in yards per play. I mean, this is Chip Kelly yeah. we're talking about here. That's just, it's mind-boggling. I mean, when he was here, they were so unbelievable on offense. Uh, it's hard to believe that. And as we talked about last week, he doesn't really want to run the blur offense anymore, doesn't really want to go back to his Oregon roots. But at, at some point... Might be worth a try. Might be worth giving that a shot. Um, Okay, one more, and this is about uh, Oregon's matchup. Uh, Mario in Eugene wants to know, 
Are the Ducks going to handle their business, or is this going to be a situation that comes down to clock management at the end? This feels like, again, I, I would have a hard time betting, you know, giving up 10 points to Stanford and when they're at home in this one. So if you were a betting man, I'd certainly take Stanford with the points. I think Oregon probably wins this thing, but I do see this as closer to a 24-21 type deal. Last year was, what, 31-31 going into overtime. Um, you know, Oregon should be a little bit better offensively. Stanford doesn't look that way, but it just feels like going down there, this could be kind of a grinder for the Ducks. And, you know, 24-21 would suggest that the winning team makes a field goal. And right now, if you're Oregon, you're a little concerned about doing that. All right, well, let's take our last break and we'll get some final thoughts about this matchup. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Steve, I will be headed down to the Bay Area tomorrow. Uh, I wish you were going, but you're not. You're staying put. Um, Any advice for... uh, what I should do, what I should be looking for in this game. I think we've pretty much covered every angle of this on DuckSports.com, but what are you looking for on Saturday from Oregon? I think we're looking to see if Oregon, you know, with the injuries that Stanford has on the line, if Oregon kind of both offensive line and defensive line can, I don't want to say dominate the game, but certainly have an edge both ways. You know, if they're if the restructured line is we expected to be without Hanson can, can hold on, and if, you know, They've got a couple of young tackles for Stanford if Oregon kind of take advantage of that. I mean, we haven't seen, you know, an Oregon team that really kind of went out and manhandled a, a Stanford team in recent years. But this kind of feels like a matchup where what Oregon's got could be their strength against what's kind of some weaknesses right now because of injury for the Cardinal. Yeah, I mean, you already addressed Mario and said you would you would take Stanford in those points. I'm going to go the other way. I think this reminds me of, I think it was Marcus's last year where – they just boat raced Stanford at home uh, after suffering a very tough gut punch loss to Stanford in 2013 down on the farm that knocked Oregon out of the BCS championship mix. So I think Oregon's going to cover. I think they're going to win 42 to 10. I just, I know Stanford's going to fight hard. I know they're well coached. I know David Shaw always finds a way to win nine games, but I don't see it. I mean, true freshman quarterbacks, the last two weeks have done whatever they wanted, and Justin Herbert and the guys are highly motivated after coughing up last year's uh, hairball against Stanford. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of Oregon's run game. You know, we haven't really kind of gotten, you haven't had to really show us a rotation the last two weeks because the way it's going, and we haven't seen a lot of Riddell. Has that been maybe kind of some load management for him, and now they're going to kind of have him be the feature back this week, or is it dire? Are we seeing almost kind of a two- or three-person deal where they're splitting him up and, and Felix is in there a little bit more because he's looked pretty good in some games? So I'll be interested in seeing kind of what the what the running back rotation looks like this week. Yeah, I could see a scenario where Mario and Mirabal are like, let's pound these guys, mm-hmm. you know? Let's let's run between the tackles. And another scenario where Marcus Arroyo and Herbert might say, why? We can throw for 500 yards. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, if they're balanced or if they just 
exploit whatever weakness they think is the worst for Stanford. So it's college football. I've probably jinxed the Ducks. They'll probably lose now, but I just don't see it. So uh, anyway, make sure you uh, follow our coverage at DuckSports.com, and we will wrap it all up next week. Thanks, everybody.